Well, good morning and welcome to worship here at Lenore Presbyterian Church. Not only those of us gathered here, but those live streaming it now and those who will worship with us at a later time through our website. What a joy it is to be back this Sunday and a word of thanks to Brian Kane for preaching two really wonderful sermons, uh, the two Sundays that I was off, and thank you all for all of your care as we said goodbye to two saints of the church uh, during that time, and uh, just thank you also for giving Ginger and me a break this past week uh, as we got away a bit and relaxed and tried to be a bit still and quiet, and it was, uh, it was good. Let us bow in prayer as we come into worship. Almighty God, we give you our thanks and praise this day. What a beautiful Sunday you have given us, Lord. A day when we can come and worship you. When we can set aside the other concerns and, Lord, focus on you. Help us to do that, Lord, in every moment of every day. To, to remember that you go with us wherever we go. And now, thank you, Lord, that you have drawn us here and your Holy Spirit knits us together. Whether we are physically here in this moment, in this space, or we are in another place, but still, Lord, we are one in your Holy Spirit, and we give you praise for that. We thank you, Lord, for the life that you give us together, and pray that we would continue to see ways that you would have us share it with those around us. For indeed, as Isaiah said, there are so many still walking in darkness. Let your great light shine through us into their lives. We give you all praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. A beautiful piece of music this morning that Nora and Brian bring to us. Be still and know, be still my soul. Let us continue to prepare for worship. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. In thee 
God. And that is a good theme for every day, but certainly is our theme uh, this Sunday morning as we seek God's wisdom uh, in this hour for how we can more effectively be still before God and know that He is God. So at our last session meeting, the, the session was so pleased to hear of the number of folks who desire to become members of our congregation and welcome heartily those new members throughout this month because of vacation schedules and, and, and just the different schedules of this time. We'll be greeting and welcoming new members probably on several different Sundays throughout August. But this morning at the drive-in service, we welcomed James and Katie Sullivan and also Tim and Logan Sherwood and uh, greeted them in with uh, a lot of horn honking. So we're not going to horn honk in here, but uh, I hope that our reception of another new member, a new covenant partner, will be just as warm. So Doris, I'm going to ask you if you will come forward this morning. I'm going to step over here and um, let you stand over there and we'll keep our distance here. This is Doris Nave Falwell. If you've not met her, you should. She is a riot. Um, in the best sense of a riot. She is a delightful lady who has been a Presbyterian all your life, I think, and um, absolutely. And she uh, comes to us from Florida and uh, comes into membership here as she transfers her letter from her prior church. But as is our custom, we ask those who are coming in to reaffirm their faith. And so uh, Doris, this morning I just asked, do you believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And do you confess Jesus Christ as the Savior and Lord, do you? And do you repent of your sins and trust in God's mercy in Jesus Christ, do you? And do you promise with God's help to serve the Lord and continue in the fellowship of His church all the days of your life, do you? And do you promise to be a faithful covenant partner of this congregation, serving in unity with its members in the ministries to which God will call you, do you? 
So congregation speaking on behalf of all of Lenore Presbyterian, do you now in this moment welcome Doris as a new covenant partner? And do you affirm that you will not only draw her into our current ministries, but that you will listen for how God might be doing a new thing in and through Doris in our midst. I'm always aware that every time a new person comes into our fellowship, God has sent him or her for a reason and this time and space. And so do you welcome Doris this morning? So you can say, I do. And you can clap and welcome her. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what I would normally do is give you the right hand of fellowship and a hug, but we'll just air hug up here in this current moment. But again, I hope you'll get to know James and Katie. Um, they, and they had their whole clan here this morning, uh, James's two daughters, and then their three-year-old, I guess Sully is uh, going on three years old, and little Ezra, who's just born a month or so ago. And then the Sherwoods, Tim and Logan, and their three children, two daughters and son. And so if you've not gotten to know them yet, please do. And we uh, just welcome you this morning and so glad to have all of these new folks in us. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Doris. And you even got JT up this morning to be out and about. No, John Thomas, you, you pro were you at LAMP yesterday? No, okay, put you on the spot there. Let us continue in worship as we go before the Lord in prayer. And I'll give space for you to name those concerns that are heavy on your heart. And just as we do pray before God, remember that we take everything to God in prayer. And he says, in return, my burden is light. Let's pray. Almighty God, we do thank you and give you all praise and glory this day. Father, I thank you for these faces that I see before me. And I thank you most of all that all of us see your countenance smiling down upon us, your light shining on us in this moment. And I thank you and praise you. We do, Lord, together with one voice for the joy of knowing you. And that even when life seems a bit insane and when we feel cut off, that there is a fellowship with you that is constant. And we are never alone. We thank you for that. And Lord, we are so grateful that we can bring to you all of our concerns, all that weighs heavily upon us, and you give us rest. And now hear us as we Say names or situations aloud. Dottie. Gail. Carol. The Bass. Lord God, you have given us such great assurance in Scripture that your Holy Spirit lifts up underneath us, Lord, those everlasting arms that are ever underneath us, but that, that wind that lifts us as on eagles' wings, that renews us, that gives us new life, and we thank you and praise you for that. 
Lord, we praise You that even in the midst of of social distancing and masks and all of the smart things that we need to do right now, Lord, that You allow us to be in mission and ministry with this community. Lord, we thank You for yesterday's successful LAMP, Lenore Area Mission Project, that was done in a day this year. But Lord, we thank You that as our middle school and senior youth and college students and adults gathered at Yoke Fellow, that they made a difference not simply in Yoke Fellow, but in this community as donations were brought into greater order that they might be sold and turned into food to feed those who are hungry and into funds that allow people to keep shelter over their heads. Lord, we look forward to an upcoming backpack packing project as your churches come together in this county to help and to reassure students as they head back to school in an uncertain time. Lord, we pray that each and every gesture that we make would be more than an item packed in a pack given to a student, that it would be your grace poured out, your mercy shown to one who needs mercy and comfort. Lord, we thank you for the ongoing ministry of this church, different as it is, Help us to be a place of welcome to those who are weary. A place where faith always is triumphing over fear. And we give you all glory and praise. And now say together as Christ makes us bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now as we continue in worship, if you are able, would you stand with me for the reading of God's holy word And you'll see on the screen that certain verses of this Psalm 46 are in bold or underlined. I'm not sure which they are, but they're underlined just like that. When you see a line like that, then let's say that uh, those lines, verses together. Psalm 46, it's to the choir master. It's of the sons of Korah, according to Alamot, a song. God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters His voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how He has brought desolations on the earth. 
He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Somebody ever said something to you and you said, no, 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 don't tell me, don't tell me. Let me figure it out. Let me figure it out. That's an expression that is often true in life, isn't it? We want to be able to figure out something on our own. Teachers will tell you that that's a great way to learn is to give folks enough information that they can then figure it out. I realize that so many of the things that I learned from my parents, they taught me enough, and then they said, now do it yourself. And it was that, that moment when they let me sort of stumble, bumble, whatever it took to figure it out. God likes us to figure it out. Yet he's revealed everything that we need to do that. God wants us to know him, and he has given us everything that is necessary for us to be able to know God. When he says, as we have just read in Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God, a verse of scripture needle pointed and right above the, the door as you come into the sanctuary Be still and know that I am God. When God says that, He has guaranteed that as we are still, we can and will know Him. There are lots of great pictures of this throughout the Bible, but one of my favorites is is Exodus chapters 3 and 4, picturing God letting us figure things out. And of course, in those chapters, we have Moses in Midian, in Sinai, he comes upon a bush that is burning, is not consumed, and he takes off his sandals and approaches, and he realizes that he is in the presence of the Almighty. So Moses meets God at this burning bush in Sinai, and Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, give us the essentials of this conversation that takes place there at that bush. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. And the Lord said to Moses, What is that in your hand? And Moses said, A staff. And God said, Throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand, catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. It is our good God making himself known to us. God does that. He comes to us, he reveals himself to us, he makes himself known to us, yet he always, just as he did for Moses, he always gives us space in which to figure things out. 
And so we see that by that never-consumed bush, God stopped Moses. And Moses discovered that when he stopped his striving, when he stopped arguing with God, as he became still before the Almighty, he could see God as he had never seen him before. And it's just as Psalm 46 says, be still. And when we are, God will reveal his overwhelming strength to us. Quiet, quiet lets us be able to know God, who is our present help in trouble. And Moses was in trouble. In one sense, everything seemed to be in order in his life. But Moses was in Midian because Moses was running. Remember Moses, he was the baby of the bulrushes. He was discovered and raised in Pharaoh's court. He rose to the number two position in the superpower of the world at that point, Egypt. He was basically really the one that everybody went to. Only Pharaoh was higher than him. But then at a crucial moment, he'd fled the scene. He had deserted his very own people. And now here he was in Midian, the proverbial nowheresville. And worse than that, Moses is now a shepherd. He was number two in the superpower of the world. Talk about at the peak of power. And now he is a shepherd somewhere east of where the action was. And so God gives Moses some much needed perspective. He says, what's that in your hand? Now, Moses is in a weakened position as God speaks that question, yet he finds enough strength to to say back to the Almighty, listen, Lord, they will not believe me or listen to my voice because they will say, the Lord didn't appear to you. Really, Moses? Come on. And we see how God reveals himself. And if you search Scripture, you realize this this is true from Genesis to Revelation. God so very often reveals more about himself by asking a question. He did this in Eden when Adam and Eve had chomped of the forbidden fruit. God God came to him and he said, where are you hiding? As if he did not know where Adam and Eve were. Jesus would be asked questions constantly, people asking him questions because they wanted to know more about God. And Jesus would turn around and answer the questions with a question because he was very God. God reveals much by getting us to figure it out because God understands that it, whatever it is, but especially knowledge of God sticks so much better when we invest a little gray cell time into pondering. And so God asked Moses, what is that in your hand? And it's a funny scene, really, just like in Eden. A funny scene because God knows everything. So he knew what was in Moses' hand. God knew that he was holding a staff in his hand. But God wanted Moses to acknowledge what it was in his hand. 
just as he wanted Adam and Eve to fess up that they were in fact hiding from the very one who had created them and given them the breath of life. God's questions, when, when God puts questions in our lives, whether we read them in Holy Scripture or they come as we're pondering quietly before Him, when God puts questions in our lives, He is leading us to a place of confession and profession. Remember what a shepherd's staff represented? Shepherds used them to direct their flock, to protect their flock. Moses had had not like he was holding in Midian, but when he was number two in Egypt, Moses had had a much more powerful staff to protect his people, and he had failed to use it. God knew that the staff in Moses' hand represented Moses' failed vision. And so God asked him, What's that in your hand? It was redemption time for Moses, but he didn't see it coming. And that's so true. We, we really only see redemption when we're looking back. We rarely have seen it coming in the moment that it comes. God invited Moses to see life from God's perspective. One of the greatest blessings that God gives us in our lives, in our lives is when He challenges our vision of the ordinary aspects of life. We think we know what we're looking at. We think we know what's in our hand. But God says, no, look again. What is that in your hand? Well, literally, it was just a stick, just as certainly as this is a stick that I'm holding here. But for Moses, it was his crutch. And when I read this passage, I can't help but think that as God was speaking with Moses there, that Moses, barefoot before the Almighty, before that burning bush, was leaning ever more heavily on his staff. Because Moses knew that he couldn't shepherd without a staff any more than a doctor can, can get through a day without a stethoscope or, or a coach without a whistle or a, a preacher without a Bible. We all know those things that we are certain we need. So God makes a proposition to Moses. He says, throw it down. He asks Moses to do the very thing Moses doesn't want to do. Like a king throwing his crown down. Throw it on the ground. Let me be your refuge and strength. Let me be your support. You don't need a crutch. And too overwhelmed, Moses complies. Now, usually when we're reading this passage, we, we move on we, we, kind of don't, we should pause there and realize the significance of that moment when Moses complies and he throws down the one symbol of his livelihood. And he throws it down and it's gone. Because we, we immediately read there and, and as Moses saw that it became a snake. And Moses fled from that. 
It wasn't the staff that he had come to rely on. It became a snake and then a staff again. But God did this because he wanted Moses and us as we read this passage to trust him. To look deeper to that day when Moses would hold his staff over his head and the Red Sea would part and dry land would appear and the the walls of water would mount up on either side. What's a little snake magic compared to the power of God to control even the oceans? David would later describe, later as in Psalm 46, he would later describe this power of God like this, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam. You know what? Magicians, the demons of of hell itself, can take an inanimate object and make it animate sometimes, but only the power of God, only the power of God, only the power of God can move mountains, throw them into the sea, make dry land, and push the waters back of the open waters of this earth. But for Moses and for us in the moment, a staff that became a snake and a staff again was enough to convince him. It was sufficient to make the point that God is Lord and His power leads us through. And that's God's promise to us. His promise to us is that He is our refuge and strength, a very present, very present, very much with us, a very present help in trouble. Here's the powerful God of whom David sings in our summer song of this morning, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. In God's hand, the ordinary becomes extraordinary. The stuff in our hands suddenly works wonders. The failures that are crippling us, as being a shepherd was crippling Moses, even as it was preparing him, the things that are crippling us, that are keeping us from stepping out, that are holding us back from being all that God would have us be in a moment. Those things that are crippling us become springboards of hope. Springboards to hope. And that's because our weakness displays the power of God. Our weakness. Our weakness. I don't want to talk about my weaknesses. I don't want to talk about what fails me, how I fail me. And yet God in His holy word says that our weakness puts on display the power of God. And all we have to do is let go and let God use us as an instrument of His peace. A peace so powerful that it it subdues the stranglehold of sin as God redeems us and sets us free, not to do as we wish, but to do His will? What is that in your hand? If we were Moses and we looked at what was in our hand, we would say it is a, and we were honest with God, we would say it's a dead stick, it is a dead vision of a weak excuse for a miserable life. If we were just totally honest with ourselves. But God sees more. God saw so much more in Moses' staff. 
absolutely amazing what it came to mean to all of Israel. And God reveals His power through us. It is a power that is sufficient to make our mission that God has for us soar. And so I ask you this morning, is it this power that is leading you through that is making your life work right now? Jesus spoke to a man who thought that the the, the, the papers that he held in his hand that had been given to him so that he could go and do the work for the power brokers of the Sanhedrin of Jerusalem. He was on his way to take these papers. He thought they were sufficient and all that he needed to accomplish his mission. But then the light of the world, Jesus Christ, appeared to him And as Saul was traveling on the road to Damascus, he was blinded and fell upon the roadway. And Saul's true weakness was revealed. Papers worthless. His mission a failure. But then Jesus said to the born-again Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Jesus was his refuge and strength. And Paul declared, because, see that's 2 Corinthians 12, 9a, the first half of that verse. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's God speaking into our lives. But then Paul gives us the, the profession that we, uh, confession and profession that we should gladly make because Paul declared with renewed passion in the second half of that verse, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Oh my gosh, we don't boast of our weaknesses. We hide our weaknesses. But God says boast of them not that that's anything other than the place where as I transform you, you can give testimony to my power at work. David sang God's strength. He'd learn not to be fooled by his own power. You see, the great problem is that we think our words are better than God's word. We really do. I do, you do. We think that what we've thought up, what we've come up with, our solution for a situation is better than what God's word says should be the solution. Andrew Sue Peterson recently wrote in World Magazine, she wrote, there is great peril in not believing what the Bible says about itself. And she goes to the heart of our greatest weakness, heresy. And we all go, oh no, I'm not a heretic, I'm not a heretic. We are heretical at moments. That really lies at the, the base definition of sin. At the heart of every heretical thought is our inclination to believe that we can do it better than God. Isn't that why so many of our prayers are, God, hey, I want you to take care of my problem this way. And when we think God hasn't answered our prayers, it's because God didn't show up the way we wanted God to show up when we wanted God to show up. Peterson writes on, she says, the funny thing about heresy is that no one who falls into it thinks himself a heretic, but rather a lonely champion of enlightenment. 
And one of the great problems with the church today is that there's so much heresy out there, but it is masquerading under the, the guise of enlightenment. This is what God wants us to see. He wants us to see ourselves as we truly are. Heretics that are saved only by His grace. Weak people who are strong only when we are trusting in Jesus and letting Him take charge of our lives. Our strength can seem to get us through when everything is well, but when hardship comes, when the odds are insurmountable, then only the power of God is sufficient. Just think back on your life. The things that you have gotten through that you never thought you could get through. After 15 years, I know every one of you well enough to be able to name those moments in your life and you can name some in my life. And the only way we got through was with the sufficiency of the power of God. And therefore, we don't need to fear. We don't need to be moved. We don't need to strive any longer. That's the real meaning of Psalm 46.10. The Hebrew word that is key in that verse is rapha. We usually translate it, be still. Rapha means literally to sink and to relax. So just think that when life seems like that which you can no longer live, that you sink and you feel those everlasting arms. The buoy of the Holy Spirit breath underneath you. And you relax. Sink into God's everlasting arms. We need to quit our belly aching because we don't have all that we think we need. We need to stop struggling. And what do we struggle against the most? Our very own weakness. Cease striving and know that God is God. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Right now, in the midst of every bit of craziness that is in your life. Moses discovered that reality as he fell silent before God. And God totally redefined Moses and his life and his staff and used him to lead God's people out of enslavement and home to the promised land just as God redefines us in Christ and leads us to salvation's peace. We realize, as Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, when I am weak, then I am strong. Kind of redefines weakness, doesn't it? In a way that we're not going to necessarily be comfortable with walking out the door, but I hope and pray that God will continue to wrestle with you and that you will continue to engage with God. But let me tell you, the best thing you can walk out of here with today is this. Be still and know that God is God. Because when we fall still, we will know God. We will discover faith over fear. We will discover that His majesty is what matters, not our movement. 
we will find the joy of stillness, not striving. Let's pray. Almighty God, we give you our thanks and our praise now in this moment. We ask, Lord, that you would strengthen us by helping us to understand more fully how very weak we are. But then, Lord, let us not dwell upon our weakness. Let us soar in your strength. And we give you all glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Go and...